All right, so for my second story, we are talking about how Tencent has recently acquired Techland. So they bought that up. And yeah. Remind people who Techland is, though. Techland is the developer of games like Dying Light. And I believe they did the original Dead Island, if I remember correctly. Is that correct? You're right. Yeah, so they did the original Dead Island. They They did Dying Light. And now they have been bought by Tencent. So Tencent is building up their repertoire. It's that whole thing that we just said, right? Money, if you can't compete, just buy everything. If you have the money to back yourself up. But for me, and seeing how this seems to be the new trend, I'm not personally very thrilled with this. But and granted, I'm not the biggest fan of Tencent to begin with, but for obvious reasons. What I was going to say as well is, I think that's interesting from Tencent because China has this big magnifying glass over it in terms of acquisitions. They were making a big purchase in the UK for some sort of tech company earlier this year. UK government said, no, I know they were trying to buy. There's that very famous studio who made, what's that lady, the crazy lady game? Crazy lady game was a bad description. The lady who was hearing voices and they won the BAFTA award and it was like a Norse game where- Oh, Hellblade. Yes. So they were trying to buy a Hellblade studio in the UK and the UK government said, no, you can't do that. So yeah, that's why this news is totally surprising to me. And I think it's a very cool story. Not to mention, like, China was, like, paused a whole lot of gaming stuff this year. And then now they're like, okay, go ahead. Alibaba as well was in big trouble. Now you guys can list. And now you can list. And they paid, like, a $3 billion fine. It's interesting what's going on. Interesting and scary. So it's we'll see how it goes. And it's Epic Games as well. Epic Games is still receiving funding from Tencent. I don't know. I think different governments are going to clamp down on this. And we'll see. And again, like we know, like it's different to announce we're going to buy it. It's different to say, okay, the deal is actually closed. So we'll have to see if this actually closes. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people I've seen online are talking about how it's going to be really hard moving forward because of the approval of the Microsoft acquisition of Blizzard. It's going to be really hard to stop things like this from happening in the future because that precedent has already been set. So it, it looks like this will be if anything, accelerating in the future of kind of these buyouts and whatnot. Yeah, I totally agree. But again, like I was listening to a podcast that they talked about the FTC lawsuit and they just mentioned that it's just the FTC in the States didn't have a legal use of, what is that, a legal precedent to say, this is why this deal should be stopped. This is why it's harming consumers. There was no solid evidence anyway. And I think in other deals, there could be a case to say, hey, like if Microsoft was to buy Valve, right? Like that would never pass because Valve is the dominant multiplayer, uh, dominant PC game cons- platform in the world, right? And Microsoft would control it all. And it would be, you'd have to wait for a like Republican controlled FTC for that to happen, I would say. Okay. And let's move on to my story, which is probably my most exciting story. Because why? If you're watching this video on YouTube, I'm sitting up because I have waited for this kind of game for a very long time. I love these farming, relaxing games. And this is a game that I had originally thought about backing on Kickstarter, but it happened after I backed another farming game on Kickstarter. But anyway, if you are a multiplayer farming casual game enthusiast, if you like Disney's Jumilai Valley, Halia is coming out next week on PC. The beta open beta is coming out. I did just see, though, this is only on the West Coast and in Europe. So unfortunately, Antoine is the only person who can play this in open beta, which kind of sucks. But it is coming out in PC soon. 
And the cool thing as well is if you were an alpha player, so if you were a Kickstarter person and you got into the alpha, your progress was just wiped. But from the open beta and closed beta, they will not be wiping any progress until the game gets released later this year. So it's supposed to come out December 2023, so in about five months' time. But basically, this is just like Animal Crossing. It's Harvest Moon. Harvest Valley. Harvest Moon. Harvest Moon. You guys know what Star- Stardew Valley. Stardew Valley. Thank you, Antoine. And the cool thing is, if you wanted to play, so Stardew Valley, you can play with your friends, but this is very much a three full player experience. It's not going to be minimal, like massive multiplayer online game. And it's cool. There's no competition. There's no, hey, Antoine, I see you walking around with your cart of tomatoes. That tomatoes look sexy. I'm going to steal them from you. Sorry, that is not going to happen. It's, I get to play with Adam and Antoine and Adam's wife, Maggie, and we all get to be in this wonderful, fantastic, colorful universe together and help each other out and be all K-bearish or My Little Pony-ish, if you want to describe that as, and happy and wonderful. And that's the kind of multiplayer game I have wanted. There have been games that have tried this that have just failed. But nope, Pioneer is going to be the first one. There is a cool live stream that they did earlier this week that I wish I had time to do a reaction video to. It is a one hour and 15 minute video though. But they introduced the character creator. They introduced some of the earlier quests. They introduced just the way the game looks. And it's nice, right? And it is free to play as well. So this is very much like Dreamlight Valley. But there is going to be a subscription like any MMO, which give you advantages, starting currency and that sort of stuff. But the cool thing on PC is that it is going to have like much, it's going to look much better than Dreamlight Valley. So I'm excited. Anyway, I don't know, like I have time to play this anyway. But when the game comes out and hopefully, hopefully, I don't know, magic happens and I have time to play two hours a day. But this is something that I'm definitely going to play, even though I have three kickstarted farm games that are coming out this year. So I don't know how I'm going to fit all of those in bubbles. How do you call that? Pelia? Pelia is like the American way, though. There's two French ladies who work on the team and they say Palia. Palia. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. Free to play Switch and PC, and I think I'm sure a bunch of other platforms as well. But I know the open beta, closed beta is coming to PC first. Next, they say it's free to play, but it also has subscription. Disney's Dreamlight Valley as well, which is like you you pay like an amount of money per month, and you get X amount of in-game currency. You get experience boost for like farming and skills and that sort of stuff. It's just like your typical stuff you might play in like Warframe as well, where you get like an XP booster as part of your monthly amount of money you pay. Yeah, it's not mandatory, right? What do you mean it's not monetary? Mandatory. It's oh, mandatory. mandatory sorry. No, of course, just like any like Dreamlight Valley, right? You can oh, okay. play this today, and then you get access to all the quests and stuff. It just means, like any sort of free to play game, is the pace at which you do things is much slower. That's all. I don't know. I'll try that because I, I tried to start Dreamlight not too long ago on the Xbox Game Pass called Sandrock, right? Oh, or like, oh, Carol, that's the thing I kickstarted. How can you say it's not stressful? There's no timer, but so it runs there. You have to do this, and the seasons are passing, and there's a festival at that, and you have to be ready. It's stressful. I'm sorry. It's not relaxing. I find it relaxing for some reason. I feel like it's the only sort of, so I can't accomplish stuff in real life. At least I can accomplish stuff in game. As sad as that's Okay. It's a why not for me. If you do try the open beta, let me know. I'd be curious, especially like now you have this wonderful new PC. I'd love, if you capture some gameplay, I'd love to do some commentary about it as well. P-A-L-E-A, Palia? P-A-L-I-A. I-A, okay. Palia, okay. On the so, yeah, Game Pass, so it's free. So you can just go from the website and download like a standalone client. Oh, straight on the website, okay. Yeah. 
Okay. Cool. All right. I'll go back to Antoine's third Diablo story. All right. So I was a bit slightly negative on my first Diablo story. I'm going to try to be a bit more uh, positive here. Malignant Heart or Seasons of the Malignant. Anyway, season one of Diablo. This is the whole heart of the season one is based on these hearts, which are like gems you put in jewelry. And you have four grades, say, of hearts. Vicious, Brutal, Devious, and the legendary one called Wrathful. And uh, apparently it brings its, its overpowered. Like Wrathful Heart, when you set it on your jewelry, it's really overpowered. But my understanding is that to start getting it, you need to rough complete chapter three. You need to be at least level 45. And it's quite bothersome and cumbersome to, to go there, right? But I learned that there's a hack for it and a very easy one. So the guy I watched the video for, he showed actually got two or three hearts in 20 minutes of gameplay. So here's the tips. All right, I'm going to take my notes because, again, as I said, I can't believe right now. But, okay, see the dry steps. Take the dry steps. You have the hidden lookout, Girondi, in the middle of the, in the middle of the, these two points, right? You have a malignant tunnel called the Ravening Pit. If I recall, the sixth malignant tunnel, and this Ravening Pit is where you can farm the Wrathful Heart the best because when you get inside the dungeon, there's a loop. This is a loop with three elites. So you go in there, you run very fast, no time if you really want to be efficient, no time for fighting. You run, you find the, uh, the boss monsters, the elite, and if the monsters, the elite monsters which popped are wrathful. I didn't and really understood this. It seems that the guy, just by looking at the name of the monster, could see if they would drop wrathful parts or on lower grade. I didn't really understand how he saw that because I didn't see any cue on the gameplay, but he ran say, ah, this one is not, this one is not. Maybe it's just in the name of the monsters. Anyway, if you just tell me, but you just run, look at it, and just right away tell me, no, that's a bust. Let himself die. Because when you let yourself die, you rip up at the start of the dungeon, leave the dungeon, and then you can reset the dungeon. Go back inside, do the loop again, and... At some point, one of the three elite monsters will be will drop a wrathful heart, and you will be overpowered straight from level twenty instead of waiting for level forty-five. So that's a pretty good stuff. Again, so if you don't know Diablo, but it says world tier how strong the monsters are in the outside world, right? Level one is easy. Level four is nightmarish, and of course, the higher the tier. So the higher chance you get to get a better grade of item. There are colors to grade an item. It's the same like at level world tier two. You cannot have an exceptional grade because it's locked. You don't have access to that pool. At world tier four, you do have access to the whole pool. You don't necessarily have a great grade at first, but farm enough and you will. And that's the whole bread and butter of the season one. So going back to what I was saying. The whole thing is about collecting these restful hearts and get your character extremely strong due to this buff. And that's it. So if you want to, he named this video, collect 10 restful hearts in less than an hour. That's, and he was saying, if you are low level, collect at world tier one or two, and then the stronger you get, 
you can redo again and again. He was just saying, be careful though, because in season one, uh, version 1.1, uh, there's lots of bugs and glitches, which include the fact that you can't reset dungeon, which is annoying if you want to do this loop. One tips, which is not a sure thing, but it works sometime, is just to go back to Kyosha, Kyobashad, which is the main capital city, and change your world tier from two to three, three to two, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Just changing your world tier sometime fix that issue. And if it doesn't, log in, log out, <laughs> restart your game. It's painful, yes, but that's what's happening with new release and new patch. Gonna get ironed out the game, of course, but that's what it is. And he was just mentioning the fact that when you get inside this rav ravening pit, the quest will tell you there's two elite monsters. That's not true, that's three. Just look around and there's three of them. And that's it for the tip, so I really hope that it will help you creating your new character and uh, ramp up quickly. Sounds very useful, and thanks for naming the video so I know what to name the short when I make it. We can put, I don't know if we can, but put the link in the comments or something. Yeah, we totally can. Cool. All right. Adam, what is your second story? Third story. <clears throat> third story. Third story, yes. So my third story is that the ESRB wants to be watching you. They were doing a, kind of a one full big brother here, which is a little bit creepy. So the ESRB has worked with the FTC and some subsidiaries of, I believe it is, Epic Games. And basically what they're doing is they're working on some sort of tech that what it would do is it would do facial recognition that would determine your age based on looking at your face. And so far it says that they can get it up to about, it says 99.9% or no, it says, I see it's currently, it can estimate if you are an adult, 99.97% of the time. So basically what would happen is the SRB says, hey, you know what? We've always had this problem with we have this rating system, but of course, parents will buy games for their children or anybody can buy a game on Steam. There's no way to know if the person is actually that age or not. So what they are suggesting they can do is create it so that you have your camera on your computer. And if you want to play a game, the camera will take a look at your face and the camera will say, are you older than 18? I say yes. And then it will allow you to play the game. And if it says, no, you know what? I don't think you're older than 18. I think you're too young then it would not allow you to play the game. So yeah, this is, sorry for all the doom and gloom and, and that and stuff, but yeah, to me, this is just really creepy that they could be watching you and being like, no, yeah, we don't we don't trust your face and just lock you out of a game. So yeah, I saw that and I was like, ooh, the world needs to know. Until what do you think? That's some invasive, really, I, I hate it. So to be very concise, I really hate this kind of thing. It's not true. Why do you get inside people's life? If the parents decide that they want to buy for the kid, who are you to say no? Yes, you have ratings. Yes, we can. We are not blind. We see your ratings. But if I decide that my 15 years old want to play a 16 years old game because his birthday is in two days or something or whatever, who are you to tell me no? And how, how would they do that with Asians who are eternally young? Seriously. Or... It's money wasting very bad publicity for them. I don't know. It's just, it's invasive and I hate invasive stuff. You don't tell me what I do with my kids, not my kids. So just back off. Plus, if it's just when you buy the game, just put my face, say, I buy the game. And, and I just well, don't put a camera in front of my kid when he plays the game. So how do you know who plays the game? That's so stupid. That's... You, I'm just going to put a camera just in front of me just so that you can see my facial look. I'm playing. 
no, that's completely, it's stupid. That's like you can't play, you can't play a game with if you don't have a camera to your face. No, thank you. No, please tell me it's just an April Fool's joke. Yeah, I don't know about, the, yeah, I don't think it's a joke, but this is one of those things where I'm like, it would be really hard to implement because you do have to make sure that everybody has a camera and you do have to make sure that everyone's camera is not covered and that sort of thing. So I, I don't foresee that the way I see this is probably more of showing that we can do it and that the technology is there and probably less about, hey, let's absolutely do this and make this a thing. That would be my guess. And yeah, I would find it really hard to implement this as a mandatory thing. You could maybe make it optional. I know like, for example, if you have say a PlayStation or Xbox or Switch, they have parental controls and you can say, okay, I want to set parental controls. So, you know, they can only play this many hours or that sort of thing. So I could see this as being an optional parental control, but at that point, it seems like a really odd thing because if you already have parental controls and the parents can be like, this game is rated 18 plus, I can just say you can't play this game. Why do you need this functionality? I don't know. If I had to guess, it, it's less about actually using it for what they're saying they're using it for and more about developing the technology for other things in the future would be my guess. And if you want to know, I just set up, so as I said, I changed my computer and I put my old computer that I gave to my kids. So I set up a new user and everything and the Xbox app is asking me, what's the birth date of your kid? Do you allow me? And it's really in the options. What kind of game can can do you want to let him play at his age? It's 12, 13, 14, 15. You choose, I choose as parents what age limit with the, with the rating and it's not going to block him to say he's going to send an alert to me saying your kid want to play this game or want to buy this game you parent you decide they already do, Microsoft already do that and it's working well because I have an alert coming to me saying he wants to play this oh it's 17 years old Battle of the Ponies <laughs> that's fine for me yeah, no, it's just a money-wasting thing, right? So why wasting money in something? If it's not broken, don't. I'm going to push back on, on both of you and say that I think we're moving into a system where we're going to copy Taiwan and Korea and Japan and China with the idea of real ID. One of the ways of the real ID is with facial recognition. Right? Real ID, for those of you who don't know, in a lot of Asian countries, if you want to play games or use certain online platforms, you have to provide your equivalent of in America, social security number, and you have to register, right? Otherwise, you can't use that website. You can't play that game because the government or the online authorities or whatever the hell you want to call it says, I need to know that you're a real person. You're not some troll or not some bot, that sort of stuff. And I think, and even going back to Adam's point of checking facial recognition, this is not new, right? It's for gaming, it's new. But if you are somebody who is participating in an IPO for a stock or you're somebody who's doing participating in the IQ, an ICO in certain countries, right? There's a company called Fractal and I had to go through this where I log into their website and they're like, okay, it takes a picture of me. It takes, I have to send them my passport and my ID and it verifies, yes, you are Korean Pagliacci. This matches your password even though your password picture is 10 years old. And it's, I think it's the only way to check certain things. And I think certain countries in the world are going in that direction where they're like, okay, we don't want kids playing games around underage. But to Antoine's point is that this is a parent's authority. It's his choice to decide what his kids can play, right? And I totally agree with that. 
But at the same time, I think there are certain facets in governments or ideologies that do want to control what you can do. And... Yeah, one of the others as a... Go ahead. Sorry, sorry. No, I was just thinking what the country of liberties would say about that. Hey, America? I like it. No, but it, it, they, they did say there were other uses of similar technology. For example, I guess Facebook has something called Facebook dating now. And they were doing similar things where they were saying, if you try to create an account, it'll do facial recognition and it'll say, oh, okay, you don't look like you're over 18. I'm not going to let you make an account, which is a strange thing. I get it. You want to protect children. I'm, I don't know. Why would a 16-year-old want to create an account on Facebook for dating? I don't know. Or I suppose somebody else could be using, could be trying to sign somebody else up, trying to do something um, weird like that. But Stop your sentence halfway. What is, why would a 16-year-old would create an account on Facebook? There you go. Okay, yeah. Or that. <laughs> I could definitely see, for example, maybe if somebody's trying to create a fake account and they're using children's images to, to do that, and you obviously don't want people doing that reasons. But yeah, it just seems strange. I don't know. In this particular case with the ESRB, it just seems like a really odd way to control what people have access to. Way, way to piece of the gamers once again. All right, let's move on to my third story. And my third story is actually just going to be about Riverside. So if you are watching the live stream, you might not know. We are using a platform called Riverside. A lot of people use something called Square Squadcasts. But which is why, if you stay tuned for later on in the week, you'll catch these awesome vertical videos featuring Adam, featuring Anpan, featuring myself, captured locally. So before, right, in shorts, you might have seen like a pixelated me or pixelated Anton or pixelated Adam. But no, Riverside allows us to capture quality locally. So I'm getting Adam's locally captured footage. It's not compressed, sent through Zoom, which I hate, sent through Google Meets. I had to say that because I hate Zoom with a passion. A fiery, burning passion. Hate it. But anyway, yes. If you're a middle-aged gamer, if you're a middle-aged gaming content creator, and let me remind you guys, in April 2023, YouTube hit 80 billion views, right? And that's a huge amount. It's 10 times more than any other platform in the world. So there's no better time than to get into content creation. Look at what Adam's doing, right? Adam is the star content creator of middle-aged gaming at the moment, right? And... All his videos have a thousand, two thousand views. If Adam can do it, you can do it. There you go. But no, Riverside, it's a great platform. It's very affordable. We're paying $20 at the moment per month. With $20, we get enough time to cover our weekly podcast, plus a little bit extra if we need to. Riverside also has that option of after this podcast, I could say, hey, AI, listen to this video and make some clips for us. And that will save me a lot of time where I can capture me, Antoine, Adam together, and we can all make video and then I can have that clip and I can splice in some video on top of that. It's really convenient, really affordable. If you do have a gaming podcast, it doesn't have to be gaming. If you want to make a podcast, this is a great solution as a base to start off on. And you guys can let us know. Do you think this looks good? Does it look good in terms of the shorts? Does it look good in terms of the live video as well? And I have to say as well, like Antoine looks freaking clearer today. Adam looks a bit better, but I think his internet is struggling to to deal with the processing. But we're going to try and fix that going forward. So I might go back to hosting after I can have Adam Lausitz explain to me how this works again because I have not hosted in a very long time. But yep, this is it, Riverside. I know it's a good solution for podcast videos, which is I know a lot of you guys are searching for on YouTube. 
So please let us know what you think. If you have questions about Riverside, you can always just add twitter.com slash gamingaged or x.com, which is what it's going to be called at some point in the future. Threads as well. We're on threads.com at middleagegaming, Instagram, middleagegaming. Keep an eye out for the videos. I know you guys loved Adam's Final Fantasy short. Or let us know as well, because I know Blonde From doesn't apparently be the thing, but lots of you guys loved Adam's Final Fantasy short on, on Facebook. So if you do like it, if you want Adam to cut more of that into shorts, let us know. I'm sure that could be done. I could definitely do that myself, actually. And yeah, and that's it for my third story, unless you guys have any questions. No, not really. Adam, so you have been sick. Are you still going to be streaming tomorrow? I'm going to try to. And Nakara Blade Points, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And how are you finding that, by the way? Because I do watch a little bit of your stream yesterday. Strangely addictive. Yeah, it's odd. So it's a, it's very much like Apex. If you played Apex, a lot of it's going to seem very familiar. You, you can do trios, you can do duos, you can do solo, which is something you can't do in Apex. But they have a lot of game modes too. So you have your, your typical kind of battle royale. And then you also have your they have campaign mode that you can go through. They have various modes like where I don't it's called something about the something about a bell, but they have five capture points around the map and you have to hold those capture points. And as you hold capture points, then your points go up. So they have that. They have a, I guess they would call it a bloodbath. I think it's even called bloodbath where you just go in and it's just maybe 15 minutes long or whatever, and you just kill as many people as you possibly can and whoever can rack up the most points. So they do have a lot of game modes, which is really good. I was surprised by how much it is like Apex because something like in, say, when I played Hunter's Arena Legends, then each character is their own thing. But here, your character has, they have, if using Apex terms, you have your tactical and you have your ultimate. But then you, as you go through, you can find different weapons around the arena. So it's not your one character is locked into one weapon. You can choose whichever weapons you want to have. The weapons have rarities. And the rarities, I don't think they do more damage at higher rarities, but the weapons themselves are more durable. Uh-oh, what's going on here? Ignore that. Okay. That is me. Only realizing I did not hit the record button until the roll was done. Oh, ironic. Ironic. Uh, ironic, yeah. I've done that a million times back when we were using Zencaster as well. But but yeah, so they have the different variety. They have a different... So you can, you, if you want to use a greatsword, you can use a greatsword with any character. So I'm having a lot of fun with it. The one thing that I don't is there are a lot of currencies. It's one of these kind of online games that has like a million different currencies and each one does something different. And because of that, it makes unlocking certain things tedious because it's okay, this one can only be unlocked with this and this can only be unlocked with that and that sort of thing. And the other thing I don't really like is that they... Unlike Apex, in Apex, you can get the Apex packs and you can buy those if you want. But like every month or so, they have, every week or so, they'll have different cosmetics that you can buy with the real world currency. And in this, they have some things that you can buy with real world currency, but other things can only be obtained with loot boxes. And that's one thing that I'm kind of like, oh, because I see one thing and I'm like, oh, I really like that. I'd love to get that. But it can only be obtained be a loot box and i'm like oh man i don't want to spend 50 dollars us just trying to do run a loot box for loot box just trying to get this one item so i'm not a big fan of that but it is an asian game so that is a very big part of how gaming is done here so i understand their logic behind it not my favorite thing anton what about you what's what are you testing out on your new pc first 
I'm just gonna stay there just to Starfield. I'm not doing well. Right now, I'm setting up uh, setting up my computer, and again, maybe I'm doing do some of the Diablo Four at some point. I'm doing Fuga too, which maybe I should review because I feel that Fuga One was better. They fell into the trap of replayability. When Fuga Two, you had to play it twice to complete the bad end, bad end first automatically, and then the good end, which was a very good way to flow the things. And overall, didn't take 20, 25 hours to finish, which was a very sweet time to do the whole thing. And you finish and you feel happy. Here, they put so many different things to put. There's one animation for each of the kids' deaths that you have to collect. So basically, if you want to 100% the game, you have to kill each one of the kids, which is picked at random by the can. You have to finish the game three or four times because it's different stories, whether you finish with Alex's Point of Compassion or Duma. It's a great game because it's used the same mechanics, they improved on it, and overall it's a good game. But too much on the replayability content, it's, I don't feel like this was really, but that's how it is. And then that really depends on how well, as I was saying, we're doing a combined video with Adam, so depending on how long it takes Adam to actually do it, because I don't want to take uh, much of his time. He's already very busy uh, like this. But if it works well, then we can try uh, and I try to do more of this in this format, if that's okay with you. And we'll see. So it really depends on if you like it or not. Let us in the comments. Sounds good. And with that, and my unfortunately not hitting the record button, we will have to call today's podcast to close. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I apologize for not having this recorded. So that means today's shorts will look a little bit weird. Maybe not too weird, actually. But we'll see. And stay tuned next week and let us know what you thought about today's live stream. And maybe judge us on the shorts maybe a week after next week and we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Thanks. And stay tuned next week for more news, more games, and more middle-aged gaming views. Bye-bye.